You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode 53. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And today we are fortunate enough to be joined by Mike Ga- uh, Mitch Garretts. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, no, it, it's, keep going. it's fine. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like, until I got into comics, I never thought I had a uh, hard-to-pronounce last name. And <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I get some of them. I get Jared's. That one makes sense. Uh, But then a lot of people add an L, so it's Gerald's. And people add the second R, so it's Gerard's. I don't know. (laughs) Trust me, you're amongst many others. (laughs) So today we have Mitch Gerard's with us, who is the (laughs) artist on Sheriff of Babylon. Uh, He's also done some work for Marvel and a few other... Uh, books out there in the comics industry, uh, notably the activity. So, Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Kind of get started. How did you? How did you get into comics? Kind of on a on a personal and and professional level. Yeah. So I have two older brothers, and they're uh, much older, <laughs> uh, thirteen and fourteen years older. And we've all we've always been close, so it's never been like a gap where I don't know them well like we've always just been super close but especially growing up because they were so much older you know they were cool and so they were were my kind of heroes growing up and both of them especially one of them was really into comic books and had them around the house you know everywhere and so when they would go off to school which by the time you know I was old enough to have memories (laughs) they were pretty much starting college so they would go off to school and I would just sit there and rummage through their closets without them knowing. And nice. before I could even read, I'd start flipping through all their copies of Nexus and, you know, the original Ninja Turtle stuff. And I, it always just, that always just seemed so cool to me. And I always grew up that way. Like, uh, you know, instead of trucks and stuff, I usually had Batman figures and all their old Star Wars figures. And So, yeah, I kind of grew up in a, a very nerd friendly environment that's a fantastic story but i have to say as an oldest child that is my nightmare (laughs) (laughs) yeah i tell that story a lot when i do interviews and every time greg my brother hears it he's like god dang it mitch (laughs) thankfully my younger sister and i were so different there was no never any fear of 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 overlapping toys and and books and whatnot (laughs) Yeah, the the one thing I do feel bad about, though, is they had a ton of Star Wars figures for them, you know, like the original ones, and I was just old enough where I just ruined them all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You gnawed on them, didn't you? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so so, so from a, a personal love of comics, how did you take that into a, a professional, professional uh, arena? Yeah, so I think because of that, like, I always doodled, like, uh, from as early as I can remember on. 
and uh, so at some point, like in school, I just had some really good art teachers. Like also, I even remember my art teachers in like elementary school and stuff, and they're all super supportive, and they kind of all. I never had anyone like disregard me or tell me like don't go down this path, which I think is kind of unique actually. And uh, I had just a lot of support, and so I art got into my head and. Even when I got to like my senior year of high school, I knew art is what I wanted to do. And, you know, comic books was the dream, but also I feel like I've always had a good head on my shoulders where at some point in senior year of high school, it hit me that like, I want to start my life. Like I want to get a job and, you know, do all these cool things that I saw on Friends. And, <laughs> and uh, so it hit me that like, I know how hard it is to get into comics. So I'm going to go into graphic design. And so I went to school for graphic design and uh, a four-year school that took me five years. <laughs> and so I, I got my graphic design degree um, right out of college. I got hired by a graphic design company and kind of the same deal. They all saw me doodling on every meeting note and everything. And they actually moved me over to the illustration department. So for like five years, I was drawing uh, tricks, Lucky Charms, Cookie Crisp, uh, packaging designs for General Mills and uh, some Nabisco and stuff. And uh, eventually that job, uh, after about five years, they lost their General Mills accounts. They let go all of the General Mills team. Oh. And so here I am, unemployment. And I could either go back into design, which wasn't really super making me exciting, because especially at that time, I was lucky enough to find a firm that still did a lot of drawing. Uh, it wasn't all computer. And so I knew that if I was going to go back into the field, odds are it would be no drawing whatsoever. So I kind of I called up a friend who was a big comic fan when we were growing up, and he went into creative writing as a profession. And we uh, did this comic book together called Johnny Recon. We uh, just wrote it and, you know, printed it at like Kablam or whatever uh, ourselves and just made a lot of contacts. And, uh, you know, I, the story keeps going, but that that's kind of how I, I got into the industry and everything kind of worked from that point on. So here I am in comics. Very cool. Um how would how do you how would you say that you're obviously you've got a background in graphic design, um, and and there's a couple of other comic uh, artists and writers I know out there that that also have a background in graphic design, but how would you say that that's impacted your approach uh, to working on comics? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I'm actually so super happy it all worked out how it did because I know a lot of illustrators who just don't have those skills. It's just not they can draw something awesomely and render things and develop perspective and stuff, but they don't have that, that graphic design, pleasing of the eye marketing kind of mind. And, uh, I think it's been super helpful. Um, if, if you look at like all the covers I did for the activity or Punisher and stuff, they all really kind of had a big graphic design element to them. And, uh, it's just, it's a skill that I think, uh, a lot of books these days are lacking, which is strange because in any other industry, graphic design is like the most important, important part of publication. For some reason in comics, it's not so much an emphasis. Um, if, if some guys have the skill, that's great. 
Otherwise, they kind of just know you throw a title at the top and you throw a pretty picture in the middle. Uh, but it's huge. I mean, it taught me about type and, you know, much to the chagrin of our letterer on Sheriff, because when we get lettering passes, he gets the type nerd who comes in and <laughs> tells him to move the kerning say, and the letting. And yeah, you've, you've done lettering on other books, though, right? I have. Actually, I've, I lettered the first issue of The Activity. And I lettered all of the two issues of Johnny Recon we did. But, yeah, I've, I've lettered before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we we had just some back and forths with our, our letter on Sheriff because Tom and I knew the kind of book we wanted to do. And our letter, I think, was very much a superhero comic letter. So we had a lot of back and forth emails about trying to get him to tone down a lot of the big bombastic stuff and do a more <laughs> urban, you know, uh, more kind of mature level feel. But yeah, uh, graphic design is huge. I can't recommend it enough for young people who are looking to get into the industry because, and you know, someone will yell at me for saying this, but I feel like you can teach yourself and get better at drawing by yourself. Um, whereas graphic design, I feel is like a skill that has to be taught. And also part of graphic design is you learn a lot about business, which is another thing I think a lot of illustrators are missing in comics these days is that, that kind of knowledge of how the business world works. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, the covers because when I, when I say other comic artists and, uh, writers, I, th I think about, uh, Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, and and how much the the covers for books, his books like East of West or Nightly News or Pax Romana really kind of pulled me into the book and made me want to read them in the first. Yeah, place. absolutely. Jonathan completely knows what he's doing. Um, he he has like an infographic style, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, like it just makes you you've never wanted to examine a pie chart as much as when Jonathan Hickman does it. I was thinking the um, the Avengers <laughs> the, the the Avengers node diagram comes to mind especially yeah. Uh, yeah all those you know all his Marvel work and stuff he always does something in there and it's it's amazing how clear it is for as complicated as it looks so obviously the the kind of the big reason here to we wanted to get a chance to talk with you is is your work on Sheriff of Babylon which is a book Tracy and I are both thoroughly enjoying and it. it's really quite a, a, a wonderful awesome book. thank you so much guys it's crazy i mean yeah yeah it, it i've read i've read the three issues that are out now um well i i read the the first one and then i read it again and then i read it again before i read issue two <laughs> and i read both of those before i read issue three and i think that's going to continue because there's so much going on awesome that is i mean this book is so it, it's so important to Tom and I and whenever we hear people who get it who get what we're trying to do like it's super rewarding I love it so at what point did you get pulled into the the process and, and how did how did that happen yeah so as as far as I understand it uh, Tom had pitched the book a while ago and uh, Jamie Rich over at our editor at uh, uh, DC Vertigo greenlit it they're like yeah but we need to find an artist and i think they approached a couple people or maybe they even had someone at one point but i guess tom just wasn't they weren't doing what tom was trying to get through 
and uh, um, Jamie saw something online towards the end of my Punisher run, uh, some interview or something, and was, it kind of, as he says it, like the light bulb went off above his head, and he gave me a call, and you know, he he didn't know I was done with Punisher at that point, or about to be done with Punisher at that point. And so he kind of pitched it, and you could hear it in his voice. He was just like, uh, you know, maybe. And I was like, yes. It, I mean, he pitched it as, what was it? It was like uh, Homeland meets Justified meets something else. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Stop pitching. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, and Tom King's writing. I'm like, I knocked my desk over, and I was like, damn it, just send me the script. Uh, nice. But, yeah, and that's just kind of how I started. I did a, a couple. Uh, I did a character design for Chris and Sophia. And uh, Tom actually has a really cool story that I just heard from someone else about. So he must have had other people do character designs because uh, he tells the story of how a or the Sophia design in his description she's holding a teacup and I guess I was the only artist that drew an Iraqi teacup, which is different than an English teacup. So I think that's he, when he said he flipped out and he's like, yeah, this guy. Yeah. yeah. Actually I saw, I saw you mentioned that uh, anecdote in, in an interview and I was, I was curious, what, what is, what is that difference? Um, a lot of them are, uh, Iraqi teacups seem to be clear and they're, they're kind of almost like a, a small vase in a way where they're kind of, big and bulbous at the bottom and then they come up big and long and do kind of a, what do you call it? Like a concave ending. Um, they're just okay. a little, they're a little more fancier looking than just kind of a saucer with a handle on it. Very cool. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, that, that, I have no idea what that difference is. It's really, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so crazy about research. Like there's not a thing in Sheriff that I just created out of the top of my head. Um, it's ridiculous. I spent, I spent a good half hour looking at the types of phones in Iraqi homes. Like they're any different than phones in America, but are they? <laughs> they're not they're the same oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I was expecting like a rotary phone or maybe one of those old fashioned ones where you take it off of the wall and have to speak into a different part than you're listening. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. no, 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 they're the same, but that's just the kind of like, I get crazy about this stuff because it's, it's two it's two things for me it's one a respect issue for a lot of the military side of the story but also a respect for that people and that land and it's something i'm interested in and am excited anytime i learn something new about their culture but I, uh oh. that's that's something that i i kind of have harped on with other artists that that do that I'm thinking of um, the interview we did recently with uh, the creator of the Bowery Boys. And for me, when pop culture misrepresents something, it does a disservice also to the audience. Because, yeah. I mean, you, I've heard the argument so many times. You don't have to go into a movie and expect it to be authentic because you're, especially like based on historical events, something like that. Because you expect the audience to go home and actually do the research. Well, come on. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> no, no. And they're not going to look up the details of Iraqi telephones. So when you can depict it as correctly as possible, you're doing a service to the audience. And I, I really appreciate and I really respect that. Yeah. I mean, I just knew I had read, you know, a couple of the scripts and knew what Tom wanted to do. And it just 
there was nothing in it that I wanted to get wrong because everything was very, very real and came from a very like important place of Tom's world and past and stuff. And it was just super important to me. And it's just kind of my, the other side of it is that's how I enjoy my art. I love research, uh, activity, Punisher, all that stuff was crazily researched. Uh, Sheriff definitely more so than any of it, but, um, yeah, it, it's just something I enjoy, and it, I think it's important. Yeah, I so said there's an incredible, especially uh, uh, fidelity to to the place and time. You know, you really feel like you are there. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Like finding research for um, Iraq and the places in Iraq is weirdly, strangely hard. Like it's uh, for such an important place in our world right now and then it's strangely hard to find it and then you add the the other caveat which makes it even harder to do research is i have to make sure everything is circa 2004 (laughs) which i don't know maybe the internet didn't exist in 2004 but for some reason (laughs) it's really hard to find things from that era which is weird because we had a war there i believe it how much pressure do you do do you feel knowing uh, in, in, it comes to the details, knowing that Tom was there and that he, he lived, lived this for a while. Uh, I mean, I think Tom and I worked together so well, like eerily well from like the first time we talked that I never, I'm never like intimidated by it. Like I'm never freaked out. He's going to be like, no. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. I've never, he's never actually, he's never even corrected me on anything, which is weird. I, I know there's certain things like I know he talked about um, he was talking to someone and I overheard him about how an issue two, that big double page spread at the start where Chris is walking down the in the uh, hallway in the hotel with the, all the vendors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. And uh, Tom was talking to someone else and he was he was like, yeah, you know, he's praising me to the guy, but he's talking about how like. You know, Mitch drew the right hallway. That is the hallway from there, but like it just—it doesn't look like I remember it. But it looks like completely an instance that could have been on down a different hallway. He remembers or something. Uh, so you know, there's little things. I obviously I can't crawl into his head <laughs> and do everything exactly how it is, but I sure as hell give it my all. Very cool. So obviously you are the penciler, inker, and colorist for the book. Yes. Do you have a, a, a preference among those those three? One that you, you you enjoy doing more than the other? Coloring is my absolute favorite part of the process. Um, it's where I feel it stops being about illustration and drawing and draftsmanship, and you actually define the story for people you add the atmosphere you can add the the way the air smells the way the air feels i feel all that stuff that happens in color and uh it's super fun to go into a black and white page and make it feel hot and warm and dusty and dirty the sheriff has a very specific feel to it um and a lot of that's conveyed through the, the color palette how did you how do you decide on on a, on something like that like what colors to use yeah so like with sheriff i'm doing something really kind of fun and something that excites me because 
um, I've told this story before too. Um, in the like, I think uh, I can't remember. Uh, a little bit ago, I did a convention somewhere, and a, a former Marine came up to my table, and we were chatting, and he was talking about how much he loved some of the color stuff I was doing on Punisher and specifically the activity because I tend to like really uh, traffic the movie. It was always a big influence on me because I loved how there was all these different stories going on. You could tell the exact story because of the color coding. And so like, especially on the activity, I try to do a lot of that, like a specific location would be a big color. And this Marine was telling me how much he appreciated that because unfortunately he, he battles with PTSD, and when he has these memories, they're color-coded. Uh, the first time he's, you know, his, an IED hit his convoy, it was, you know, it was blue morning. Or um, First time he got shot at, it was super hot and orange. And, uh, you know, that really influenced me. And so when I went into Sheriff and started coming up with the colors, I really picked color-coding for not only for the scenes, but for characters themselves. And then when those characters meet, the colors change or those two colors combine. And uh, so it's this weird mathematical code I have in my head that I really love playing with. Interesting. I, I mean, it's one of the, not being an artist myself, I, I don't know if I struggle with understanding that, but... It, it, it's it's an interesting trying to hear you talk talk about it in that in that aspect yeah. where I see the colors and I know they fit but I don't understand the reasoning behind it and why. Yeah, it's it's you know if I guess the easiest way to explain it is kind of that if you remember Steven Soderbergh's Traffic, um, he just had a color code for scenes and I felt it it added a level of clarity that maybe you don't see in a lot of other things. Uh, you had mentioned earlier when you about your your time in in advert um not advertising in graphic design that that they were one of the few firms that still did things by drawing instead of by computers what do you do you use for uh your art now are you do you still paper to pencil or are you using digital tools now i'm all digital now i went all digital uh, like halfway through Punisher, like issue 12, I think was my first all digital issue. And then I've been, I've been all digital since, and I don't think I'll ever go back unless something breaks and I have a deadline, <laughs> but, um, it, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, you know, people, a lot of guys in the industry freak out because you're losing original art sales and stuff, but I feel like I got faster. I feel like I was able to do more of what I wanted. And also like the, the reason that sounds silly to some guys but it's so it's probably the most important reason is i do all my digital work on the cintiq companion which is like a standalone laptop sized cintiq you can bring anywhere so it allows me to actually be with my wife at night and we can watch tv and stuff and i can sit there and work rather than you know deadlines are crazy so you know back when i was doing uh traditional art I would be off in the studio room and she would be off in the TV room and we wouldn't see each other till I went to bed or something. And yeah, that's, that's not fun. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of deadlines. So Tom, Tom has mentioned uh, several times that this is the first book he has submitted to the, the CIA's uh, board for review. Yeah. How has that affected your guys's production schedule? Uh, I, not at all. Okay. We're, we're pretty far ahead. 
we, we're going at a good clip here and uh, DC's scheduling is awesome. So we submit something, they get back to us right away. They've never had a change or anything. Tom knows what he's doing. He knows he's, Tom's not trying to write an expose about his time there or anything. <laughs> right. So right. I don't, you know, not saying it won't ever happen if he does something weird, but odds are it's, they just get back to us right away and they thumbs up, go for it. I mean, they, they want this stuff out there as much as anyone, as long as it's not giving away anything, you know, it, yeah. it, it's information. They, as, as you know, a lot of conspiracy theorists will tell you otherwise, like they, you know, media is good for them. I was going to say it's decent PR too. I mean, there's nothing in there that's negative. Yeah. And, and that's another thing I love about this book. And I was so, so happy when I read through it and from talking to Tom before we started, I knew it would be this way too, but it's not, I mean, it's political in the sense that there's a lot of politics happening, but Tom never, he's not telling a story from a side or from a point of view. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, you know, the majority of the characters are Iraqis and you're getting it from their view where it's not like an American bent view of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is super important to me. I didn't want to tell, a super left or super right book or anything like that. That didn't interest me. I just wanted to tell a story about people. Yeah. Oh, speaking of people, how much input did you have in the character development process? Because, and I asked this specifically because a lot of the character development is told without words. Yeah. Um, so how much of that is you? Yeah. Um, so Tom sent me the first script because the first script had been done for a long time. I think before I even got on there. In fact, I think before Vertigo even greenlit the book, um, he had done the script forever ago. And uh, so I got the script, and, like, the characters felt real to me, like, right away. And so I got to design the look of them. And I, especially on Sheriff, I wanted to do something where each character had a subtle, unique trait. And so... uh, it's one of those things, like things that people don't pick up on, and but it's super important to me because it gives the characters a little more life. And even at this point, like I, I just finished issue five, like no joke, these characters feel like real people to me. Like I, I see them talking and moving and stuff. It's kind of a weird experience. I've never had that on a book before, but uh, it's really cool. Though. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an awesome feeling um, because I feel like I'm just sitting down and telling the story. I'm not drawing something i don't know how to explain it it's great but uh so like i I do these little things with each character that i think is pretty fun like sophia i added the scar um across her face uh i just wanted to give her give her a little something else a little edge amongst her femininity and everything and uh who i tom always jokes he's like i think when i first submitted it he's like yeah it makes sense looks great and then I met him at, you know, I was talking to him at New York Comic Con this past time, and he was all giving me hell because now he has to figure out a way to tell a story of how she got that scar. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Chris, I don't know, it's something I guarantee nobody else has noticed but me, but uh, Chris likes to wear his ID badge backwards a lot. Uh, so he always just throws it backwards, and it's a weird character trait. It's just something he does. And uh, then Nasir is kind of all about the swagger and that cigarette. And he's constantly waving it around. And 
he's got a very kind of disregarding attitude. It's like a kind of like Clint Eastwood, but Iraqi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, I think I think Sophia is probably my favorite of the three so oh, far. She's yes. great. And and there was one scene in particular in, in issue two. It was issue two, where she's getting dressed from from a nap, and you go from you know, she she's sleeping sleeping in the nude, and she goes from from that getting dressed into the the full headscarf and everything, and it's just it gives so much depth to the character, especially in 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 a society like that that it's not always as, as accepting of of women. I thought it was really interesting to see her going from being super feminine, very, uh, very soft, to, and putting on more and more layers and becoming more and more heart, harsh and colder and more controlled. And exactly, I mean that's one of the things I love about Sophia is talk about a strong female character. And there's some there's some darkness. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it even just like when I draw her, I'm even amazed sometimes. Cause like I draw those eyes and I'm like, there's so much going on in those eyes. Like also, she's calculating like, all the yeah, time. She is, which is, which is interesting because she has a relationship with, um, an American. So, I, I mean, I realized that she's, she studied in America, but I didn't pick up on that through the first, this is why I have to reread them because I, I didn't pick it up the first time I read through issue one. And then suddenly we're in issue three and I'm like, Oh, oh, that's happening. Yeah, yep. So yeah, she's, the, she's got a lot, a lot of strange stuff going on. She's got a lot going on because she she identifies as both Iraqi and American, mm-hmm. and which is a very unique thing, especially at that period in time. So when you receive a a script page from Tom. How, how, what's your process? How do you take that from from the words that Tom gives you to to a finished page? Yeah, actually, I, it's fun kind of talking about my process because it's different than I think most. And uh, <laughs> there's actually an issue four, and I think it might be through all the Vertigo titles, like in the editorial section in the back. So in issue four, there will be a, a spread of kind of me and what I do from start to finish. But uh, Ooh. basically, like I, so I get the script. I read it through. I usually, he's, you know, we're we're ahead, so I get the script pretty early, and I'll read it at night, like three, four times before I ever get to it, and just kind of so I can play that that movie in my head. And uh, then I sit down and I make little notes on the script, and I draw weird little thumbnails that all look like. <laughs> okay, this is gonna be bad. Uh, j- <laughs> Jamie was making fun of me today on an email because I draw layouts with these like stick figures, like super just kind of blobs with sometimes with hands and, you know, a a cross (laughs) delineating which way they're looking. Uh, But I color it quick, too, just so I can, you know, people can understand the nonsense a little bit better. (laughs) All the all the white people I draw just like pink, like their full bodies is pink. And so Jamie always refers to them as the talking penises. And uh, <laughs> God. so that, those are my layouts. I draw a bunch of talking penises, and then uh, those get approved. Which usually, you know, Jamie's not picky. Uh, he gives the thumbs up, and then I go in and I start kind of referencing all this stuff in my head and these locations and any other little things, clothes, 
um, you know, if it's a military thing, you know, all those military things, et cetera, whatever I need to reference, I reference that. And also at the same time, uh, this is where it gets a little different than a lot is I take photo reference of everything. So all the characters are photo referenced. Um, so I act out an entire issue from, you know, me for every male character and usually my wife for the female characters. And uh, so it's kind of this unique thing where I get to, as terrible as an actor as I would be in a movie or film or TV, I can do it statically and kind of get those mannerisms that I see in my head. And uh, so I, I take reference for all of that. And then I kind of combine all my reference and all the research and everything and that, you know, I combine that in Photoshop as like, as my, essentially, I call it an advanced layout. And uh, I change that whole thing to like a really faint blue line. And then I move that over to my Cintiq pad. And that's where I actually do the drawing. So all my drawing is done right at like the ink stage, if you want to call it that. Um, so I sit there and do all my drawing right over there. And then I've got, you know, an inked page at the end of that. And I send that inked page off to Joe Frazetta, who's my flatter, who then flats in all the different pieces of a page, you know, like the shirt of this guy and the head of this guy and blah, blah, in crazy colors, like nonsense colors. And then he sends it back to me. So now I can sit down with my color. I can just pick out those sections to change colors. Um, so it just goes a little faster for me and stuff. But uh, And then, you know, I got a colored page and I shoot that off to DC and shows up in a comic book shop like a month and a half later. That is awesome. I've, I really have not ever heard that process before. Yeah. It's, it's unique. I, I don't, I still don't think a lot of people understand that. Like I literally act out the entire book. I mean, I put on clothes, I go out in my backyard and shoot weird photos with my <laughs> iPhone in my living room. And yeah, I'm sure our neighbors are wondering what's going on. I feel like that's most people's neighbors. <laughs> True. I, I, I know. I, Certainly yeah, my neighbors. I wonder what my neighbors are doing, and I'm certain I do things that make my, my, my own neighbors uh, question me. <laughs> True. So how do you, how do you guys feel about uh, the series being extended to 12 issues? I'm super excited. I... I love this book and I think Tom, you know, Tom loves this book and Jamie loves the book. And so when it got extended to 12, we were super happy. And, you know, I can't, I can't confirm anything, but if you look at the announcement, it's season one has been extended to 12 issues, oh. whatever that may, whatever that may imply, you know, read into well, you, it. You know, I was thinking as I was kind of looking at some of the stuff, you guys are really kind of on the on the cutting edge of Vertigo's resurgence. I mean, after Karen Berger left, there was some, you know, some series were still going on that she had that she had started, but there hadn't the new stuff that was coming out. It wasn't much, and it wasn't up to where most people kind of expected Vertigo to be. And and it's really it's coming back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they've got. I mean they they released twelve new titles, and ours was one of the one of the twelve, and. I, I'm really into all of them for the most part. Um, I've been reading, I've been reading them all, uh, but just some unique stuff and kind of, especially with like 
things like Sheriff or Unfollow is another great one uh, where it's kind of, we're kind of getting those books. Like me and Tom, Sheriff is kind of like me and Tom's way to get Vertigo back to the greats of like Scalped and Preacher and those kind of real world heavy drama, you know, mature audience books. And uh, Vertigo's, they're firing on all cylinders. The, the Dark and Bloody just started last Wednesday, and that's really good. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those, a lot of my favorite books have come from Vertigo, uh, Transmetropolitan. Um, yeah. You mentioned, um, I just blanked on it, uh, Scalped is, is great, uh, Why the Last Man. I mean, these are like some of the, 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 yeah. uh, some of the real hallmarks of, of the last 10 to 15 years of comics. And then it just kind of, they kind of, Vertigo kind of almost, almost disappeared. And it, it's yeah, great to see I him coming they, back and, and coming back exactly. with, with stuff like Sheriff that that's really in the same vein and, and continuing on with what they've done, but previously. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we're, we're super happy at Vertigo, uh, working with Jamie and Shelly Bond and Molly Mahan is our assistant editor. Like it's, it's a dream team. I like, I'm not even trying to suck up to anyone. Like it's, it's been an amazing experience that I am so excited is going to continue for a while. Obviously you, you're, you're, you're really loving working on Sheriff. Do you have any plans in the future to, to write some of your own stories? Um, yeah. Um, I don't have anything like in mind right now. It's definitely like a career goal. Uh, it'd be really fun. Um, I've always had this thing where I want to do a Batman story that's like, but it would take me forever to do it because I've always had this idea of like the Riddler. So the Riddler is my favorite villain. And I want to do like this really heady uh, Riddler adventure that's like straight up like the Da Vinci code where every page something's revealed and you're just like, what? Uh, but it would take me forever to research everything I would want to research and make it as mind boggling as it is in my head. But uh, you and you yeah, and one mean, of our staff writers would get along great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No. It's I, that's definitely a thing I'm interested in. Um, again, I, I hate. I wish I had more negative things to say, but like Tom is so great, and I, Tom gets it. Um, we we weirdly have very similar storytelling ideas. So when he writes a script, like it just I it completely speaks to me like i know exactly what i'm going to do he kind of i think knows exactly how i'm going to treat it and uh especially like the you'll notice in the book like there's a lot of a lot of movement where like the background is similar but the people kind of move around and stuff and Mm -hmm. it's something i like to do a lot and didn't really get a chance to do in previous books um but tom you know without knowing who he was drawing for that's what he was writing and it was just that's how i do storytelling and so working with tom's great i'm i'll work with tom for as long as he'll have me just having thinking about this at the moment um that feels very theatrical as opposed to cinematic you know yeah in front of a back but it's it's a very different it's a very different feel of of storytelling but it's a a it's still familiar but but b it's different than what, than everything else that's out there. I said a lot of comics really try and go for that cinematic feel. Yeah. Or they go for like the straight up classic comic feel. Right. I, 
I kind of, my big resurgence of when it hit me of like what I really wanted to do in the industry is when the first Ultimates came out and I saw how Brian Hitch was treating those pages with the widescreen style and his angles and stuff and it melted my brain. Like, I just loved how I saw that whole movie in my head and that's, you know, it's some people's cup of tea. Other guys want their comics to be very Jack Kirby and, you know, they want it to feel like a comic book. And for me, comics, at least my approach to what I do is it's all just from a storytelling thing. Like, what can I do to tell the story? I'm not concerned about making it look a certain, well, I guess I am in a way like concerned in making, looking at a certain way, but I'm not so concerned that it's a comic book. That's kind of just the medium I'm using to tell the story. Very cool. Um, are there any thoughts to revisiting the Johnny Recon? Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, that's definitely one I would love to return to. Um, it's it's just such a fun, simple concept. It's Indiana Jones in space. Like, come on. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, me too. Well, Mitch, uh, again, we want to thank you for coming on. And uh, as we normally do to wrap up, to, to find out what our guests uh, have been into lately in terms of if, uh, imbibing media. So, gotcha. so what have you been into lately? Oh, geez. Um, oh, I know. Uh, so I haven't, you know, because comics are such a, the deadlines are pretty tight and, you know, I work a lot. I don't, I haven't played video games in like a year and change, but, uh, I am so super excited for The Division. I know a few guys who work for Red Storm who worked on it, and I got to play some of the closed beta that happened uh, last week or whatever. And I'm super f- excited to jump in there, and the game looks fantastic, and kind of excited to do some more social gaming with my friends on there and stuff and get back to that a little. And it's right in my wheelhouse. It's, you know, Tom Clancy. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, let's see. I watch a lot of TV um, when I work. Netflix is on all day long, and, <laughs> and <laughs> I—it's not always great TV. Um, <laughs> not, anything not that has a lot, be. yeah. Anything that has a lot of seasons. I—I just—I finished the last issue of Sheriff while watching like two seasons of Melissa and Joey. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, real deep cuts. Yeah, I great bad TV to have on. You know, I went through all like seven seasons of Vampire Diaries while I was working. Solid choice, know. though. Solid choice for, yeah. for trashy TV. That's fantastic for sure. My wife has strangely, and I hate to admit this, but I actually admit it in that issue four process thing I was talking about. My wife has gotten me into The Bachelor. <laughs> and, and i get more into it than she does like i throw pillows and i get all mad about things and she's like calm down <laughs> i don't know but yeah um oh i just recently saw i went to the movies and saw pride and prejudice and zombies randomly Ooh, because is that? it's not a thing i guess i would normally go see and my wife we didn't want to go see something else we're like oh let's just go see this it was awesome like I thought it was going to be terrible and kind of like real schlocky and stuff. But no, it was super good. Uh, it was really clever, which surprised me. I didn't think it was actually going to be clever. 
but uh, yeah, that was great. Go see it. That was a ton of fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, that's you know, that's about it. I'm sure there's a ton of other stuff, but I, I think that might answer your question. Nice, well, Tracy. What about <laughs> Tracy? What about you? Okay, so let's see. I have been introducing Kurt to True Blood. Nice. Why? Um, and because <laughs> I got th- because I got three issues, reasons, uh, three episodes into that, and couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> for the same reason that Mitch watches Vampire Diaries, okay. Um, it also was sort of that first time that I really decided I want to v- visit Louisiana, which I still haven't done. So <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't either. But it's it's interesting, right? I mean, who yeah, wouldn't want to go no, see a bayou I... at least once in their life? Um, yeah. And then I've watched a lot of like random Netflix movies. So um, I did watch Broadchurch. The whole it's just two seasons, and apparently there's possibly a third season coming out. BBC is solid right now. I really like. Right I'm kind of on a BBC kick. And then I watched Black Death, which only has like one and a half stars on Netflix. It's got Sean Bean in it. He doesn't survive. Spoilers. Sorry, guys. Because um, <laughs> that's a spoiler but, at this point. Uh, it's it's really not. It's really not. And Sean, was, Sean Bean surviving is a spoiler. That's what that is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I it kind of gave me an idea about watching like that Black Death, and it's kind of supernaturally. It's got a witch in it. Um, and then I wanted to watch maybe Season of the Witch and maybe some other medieval witchy type thing and do a podcast about it. Um, but actually, it was a decent movie. I would have given it at least like three, three and a half stars. And then I watched um, a Val Kilmer movie called The Saint last night. Oh, yeah. That has four and a half stars. And it was awful. Is, that, it is, was this, oh. is this skinny Val Kilmer yeah. or fat Gal- Val Kilmer? Skinny. It's from a while Skinny. ago. Okay. Yeah. It's it's old. It's like ninety six. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe like not that. that old. Okay. So so probably about the time he was doing Batman. Mm, maybe a little after. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um. And then, let's see. What else have I been doing? I had a whole list of things. I've been reading this new comic called Sheriff of Babylon. Um. It's really good. Uh. Yeah. Oh, and then um, when we were at Virginia Comic Con last weekend, I picked up a whole bunch of 50 cent comics, including a whole big giant chunk of. Um... Oh, shoot. Now I'm going to forget the name of it. The uh, Authority. The Authority. Yeah, that's the one. Um, and I've started kind of dipping into that. So I'm kind of excited about that, too. Now, do you mean the Authority or the Activity? Not the Activity. In fact, okay. when I first saw that you were on the Activity, I was like, yes, I just picked these up. And then it wasn't the same thing. So. No, I, I, it's more of an inside joke. I don't know if you guys know Evan Doc Shainer. I do, do not. Oh, he, oh my God. You got to look up his art. He is amazing. Uh, Evan Shainer. Um, Doc Shainer. But uh, he always gives me, every time he refers to the Activity, he says the authority on purpose just to screw with me. Nice. Let's see. What have I been doing? Um, I'm finally catching up on television shows now that I can see the television mostly clearly. Phenomenal. So I've been uh, pushed through about four episodes of Flash, Supergirl, Agent Carter, Legends of Tomorrow, just like everything that's come out in the last month or so. Excellent. Right on. How good is the Flash? Oh, it's like it's, mind It's getting, it's getting better every episode. Oh, I know. I, why? How? I still, I'm so excited because after we're done here, I'm probably going to sit down and finally watch the newest episode, the Earth 2 episode. Oh my God, it's good. I'm like buzzing with excitement. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I've been, I was pleasantly surprised by Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. I'm really getting behind the Rip Hunter character. 
it, it's got a similar flash vibe. It's just yeah. the way the story is. It, yeah, it's a lot lighter and a lot less gritty than than Arrow. I mean, like I yeah, I, I'm I'm about a season behind on Arrow, and I'm enjoying Arrow finally, but it, it's not. It's it's you know the dark and gritty and almost mm-hmm. a little little drama heavy. If you're a season behind, when you get to this season, this season changed. Like they got much lighter. Okay, that's uh, good to know. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really into it, and I was into it before too. But like, there's a lot more jokes this season, and people are just seem to be having more fun. Good. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wonder how long you could stay that dark and gritty. Yeah, it works really well for like the Nolan Batman for a movie, and it works for a season or two of of TV. But after a while, yeah, the show the show's got to grow. The characters have to move forward. Yeah, which is actually the opposite of how most shows work out. A lot of shows start out really fun, and then get really dark. Uh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else have I been doing? Uh, I, I introduced my gaming group last night to uh, the the Party Enforcer, which is a uh, Morningstar <laughs> melee weapon with a D20 on the end. Uh, it's a that, beautiful that, thing. Yeah, we, we, we hit a rough session a couple weeks ago, and and then, I, then at uh, the convention we were at last weekend, uh, I discovered that, and that that had to have been, had to be purchased. <laughs> And keep 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 the party in line, and and they did much better this week. <laughs> the threat of physical violence does, in fact, work. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I mean, I've been just like I said, been kind of trying to catch up on everything I've been I've been missing. I actually had to wait a week or two to read issue issue two of Sheriff, uh, just because I couldn't I couldn't see it. I had surgery, oh. surgery on my eyes. Oh, well, I'm glad so. you're doing better yeah oh actually the other thing i saw i went and saw for um hail caesar oh, that's new, right. the, oh, how is that? the new coen brothers movie it is it is wonderful oh, I'm excited. It, it's, it's extremely faithful to kind of the feel and ideas of old hollywood but it's got that coen brothers irreverency the um, a lot like like the big lebowski or like raising arizona right on so it, it was it was a lot of fun i'm actually like I'm not a Deadpool fan. It's a character that's always never interested me, but for some reason Thank I you. am looking Thank forward you. to seeing the movie. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why. I, I, think, it's, I think it's because... it's full of excited people, and I'm like, please don't spoil no, it. No, I think it's because Ryan Reynolds is so into the role. Yeah. He I really he really it. sells it. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to people having fun for two hours. Which yeah. you know doesn't always happen. No, no I think I think I think Ryan Reynolds has done more to sell this movie to to the audience than than Marvel itself has really done. Oh, he's absolutely! Just, he's really gotten behind this role and is having a ton of fun with it, and it shows. Right on. All right, well, Mitch, again, thank you for coming on. We've uh, we really enjoyed having you on. It was a great conversation. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This was like literally, it was one of my best favorite podcasts I've ever done. Well, thank you very much. So once again, folks, if you like what we do, head on over to thereforeageek.com where you can find our podcasts and our blog posts. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. You can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, and we are now available also on SoundCloud. Woohoo! So once again, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And you have been listening to Therefore I Geek. <laughs>